Hey, welcome back to another edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. Ben Standing here. I cover the Washington football team for The Athletic. I'd love to be able to talk to you guys about another win for some of you. I know that would mean so much. A fifth straight win, for, uh, further uh, this team further gripping hold of the NFC East division race. Alas, can't quite do that. Uh, the Washington football team fell down in the first half, got back up, fought hard as the game progressed. That's their move, but ultimately fell short, losing 20-15 to 15 to the Seattle Seahawks. This wasn't some Russell Wilson-dominated game, but it was a game where Washington's mistakes early on cost them, and they couldn't quite come back. We're going to discuss all of that and more with my pal Pete Haley from NBC Sports Washington. Uh, Pete and I get into thoughts on the defense, the, the the polarizing figure that is Dwayne Haskins, and whether our perceptions of this team have changed at all after this game. Plus, we'll get into some other random fun, including tweet, uh, person Pete wishes would follow him on Twitter and my college days. Yikes on that one. Um, <laughs> and at the end, I'll talk a little bit on my own about Dwayne Haskins, as well as Logan Thomas and some of the future roster situations to keep an eye on. Um, but of course, you can follow, uh, you can first read me on The Athletic. If you're not a subscriber, maybe consider that if you already are. May, I really appreciate that. By the way, I should say, if you're not a subscriber, I believe the current deal is if you buy a subscription to give us a gift, you get one back yourself. So something to keep an eye on. And as you're looking for last minute um, Christmas uh, holiday type presence. In addition, you want to follow me on Twitter at Ben Standig. You want to follow our guest Pete Haley on Twitter. He is at Pete Haley NBCS. And of course, if you haven't already, please subscribe to this year podcast. You can do that on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you do your podcasting. If you're an iTunes person, definitely always appreciate it when you have a second to leave a review and a rating and all that good stuff. It definitely helps the cause. All right, uh, let's get into this. Pete and I had a really good chat. Uh, I've known Pete for a long time. Pete wrote for me a uh, hundred years ago when I was working for uh, my, my old Breaking Burgundy site over on scout.com. And I've known him for for many years uh, when I was, he was also my colleague at NBC Sports Washington. Now we're both, of course, on the Washington football team beat. Pete is a uh, smart kid. He's, he's an up and comer, somebody to watch for sure. But here he is right now on this year podcast, the Standard Room Only Podcast. All right. Uh, while it felt like deja vu all over again on many levels for the Washington football team, it's a new day here on the Standard Room Only podcast because we have a new guest. Uh, of course, he's not new to the scene here covering this team. He's a go-to for NBC Sports Washington. Uh, he is a man about town. He is, most importantly in my world, a cat guy. He is <laughs> He is Pete Haley. What's up, man? Uh, how, uh, how, how was your drive home from... Uh, when you drove home, was there any like fake crowd noise in the car to help spur you on randomly at times? Or <laughs> that was it stinks that that wasn't like very apparent to the viewers at home. That was our main source of entertainment today because the comeback at the end was cool, but for the most part, that was a pretty boring, typical, you know, slow paced NFL game. But the crowd noise after a Logan Thomas three yard catch where there would just be an explosion of applause, but it would be like four seconds too late. It was very, very funny. Um, but in my car, it was it was silent. I was processing the loss, and now I'm here to do so with you on this lovely podcast as well. <laughs> so, so we'll get to that. So, I actually am curious about this, and we'll get yeah, we'll get we'll get to we'll get the thoughts on the defense, where this team is with the in the in the in the division and in the quarterback play and all that. But back to the to the noise because I don't quite know what I remember. Like the first game of the year, there's no fans in the stands. 
and they're piping in the crowd noise, but we couldn't really hear anything. At least I couldn't. So I remember asking people, could you hear anything? And they said, yeah, you could hear some stuff. We've had different levels of fans throughout the year, but we're back to nobody in the stands. This time, like, it's not just like there was like noise. It was loud noise. It was random noise. It, it, it was noise that made no sense necessarily based on what was happening. It's just, it's just weird 2020. It was different today though, right? Why, was it just louder? I mean, was, it, was that all like, it was? It was definitely different because we're a very observant group of reporters. We're like trained to find things that are wrong at FedEx Field. We'll do our best <laughs> to expose that. So like we would have been on top of this happening earlier. So something was different. And I think it was... Maybe it wasn't so constant. It was there having these spikes where it was quiet and then completion. Everybody's reacting like the like John Kime said, like a goal was just scored in the World Cup. But then you look up and it's just J.D. McKissick running for two yards to set up third and six. It was all very disruptive and confusing, but it made me laugh a hundred times. And I hope that's how it is for the next game against the Panthers because it was something pleasant to distract us from uh, a lot of failures on the field. Yeah, we, we may have to ask players about this in the side room this week because I'm just curious, like, if it was noticeable to us, was it noticeable to them? And I mean, it was happening after a play, but, like, you know, what? Uh, this is a complete random aside. Years ago when the uh, – was it the NFC Championship? No, it was a regular season game when the when the, in the Jay Schrader era, Washington was playing at the Meadowlands against the Giants. I want to say the Mets – I think this was the 86 World Series, I want to say. The Mets were in the World Series. And – the crowd paying attention to both things, however they're doing it, the transistor radio, whatever. <laughs> Something big happened in the Mets game, and the crowd went went wild. And the and Washington didn't know what was happening. And I think Jay Schrader like completely like botched a play out of turnover or something because of the crowd reaction completely threw everybody off, and uh, it was kind of like that. Um, all right, let's get to the task at hand. We're gonna serve order work backwards. I, I don't want to go through what we can to a degree, but not necessarily what happened in the game. Well, let's jump to the end. They lost. I don't think too many people were expecting them to necessarily beat Seattle anyway, especially even if they had been fully healthy, it might have been a challenge, although they were obviously riding pretty high on the four-game winning streak. But you take away Alex Smith, no Antonio Gibson, no Cole Holcomb, DeShazer Everett's done for the year, take KPL off the defense as well, and it's looking like a tough sled. Now, you can in some way spin this on some level positively, but obviously there's a lot of down downside as well we'll get to the specifics has your opinion of this team changed at all based on this result that was something we tackled as well in our pod and I think my opinion is that I don't feel worse about their playoff chances I think they'll still make it I think they'll take care of the Panthers and then the Eagles definitely look like a way different deal with uh, Jalen Hurts under center but I still feel like Going to Philly, they could get things done because they might really need it. And I don't think Ron Rivera is going to let them, you know, come up short in that situation. But so I don't feel worse about the playoff chances. I do feel worse about their chances in the playoffs because today was like Seattle. I mean, you caught them at a time where Russell Wilson threw for 120 yards. DK Metcalf was pretty silent. Uh, the running game was good, of course. But like this felt like the time to get Seattle. They put up 20 points. They were not really doing much. They weren't being aggressive and they still kind of kept Washington at arm's length throughout the entire game. The comeback was riveting to a degree, but I never felt like it was actually going to happen. And Seattle just seemed like they strolled in here. They knew they had to, you know, play a decent game, but nothing special and they could walk out victorious. So uh, it was definitely a little bit of a, a splash of cold water on the Washington side's face, just because it's four game winning streak was so much fun. But then here it's like, Oh, okay. So they're playing, you know, a legit NFC contender 
and they weren't ever really a true threat to them. Maybe this forces me to reevaluate how the end of the season will will go. Right. I mean, I think I think somebody sort of asked this of Ron Rivera to some degree, like, is the margin of error just constantly so thin at all times? And I think that really is the point. I mean, obviously, you know, look, they have played better at times. You know, I I, I put up some stat the other day about how Seattle's defense has been significantly improved over the last month. And then everybody came back with, well, they played the Jets and they played this team. I'm like, hey, uh, last time I checked, Washington's last home game before this one, they beat Ryan Finley in the second half. Nick Mullins is playing quarterback for the 49ers, not Steve Young. Right? Andy Dalton's playing for the Cowboys. Like. Right, the Steelers were had the crazy week before with uh, with the Ravens. The game got moved back. And, but I'm just saying, like, you can play that game all the time. Um, but, you know, yeah, the, I mean, the reality is it's just that Washington just needs so much to go right for it to do well. And when you take pieces off the field, it just becomes even more – um, problematic. And I think that is ultimately to your point about the postseason, even if they can hold on as you, Pete and I are talking, the Sunday night football game is just kicking off basically. So we'll, you know, at least for this conversation, we won't know whether the giants have won or lost. Obviously if they win, they're tied with, with Washington for the division lead. And then that means they're at the front. If they lose Washington could potentially clinch the division next week yeah. with a win and a giants loss um, and rest starters in week 17, which is of course hilarious. <laughs> um <laughs> But yeah, I, th- I think that's ultimately right, though. I mean, I think the, the margin of error is 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 pretty thin. And even if Alex Smith is a quarterback, he clearly gives you better hope than than what's going on with Dwayne Haskins. But you know, it's not a lot of big play stuff. It's just being able to you know move the ball more efficiently and things um, uh, th- things along the, along those lines. You know, you, you make the interesting point that Seattle was kind of there for the taking. Like on the one hand, Washington I think played more. You know, I'll have to look at the tape later and that kind of stuff. But like Washington played more with their safeties back to prevent the DK Metcalfs and, and, and Tyler Lockett from going off. And um, I, I, having faced those guys in fantasy this year and gotten destroyed, uh, yeah. I, I respect that decision. And it's not like Seattle's run game is all that. But Chris Carson was constantly getting yards. Carlos Hyde had a 50-yard touchdown. Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson. And they took advantage of that. But I don't want to play the, well, if only game. The, they had the, I think it was like their last real drive of the third quarter, of the second quarter, and the first of the third quarter. They scored touchdowns, impressive drives and all that. Other than that, Washington's defense really did a pretty decent job. The, the second half, they, they only had 52 yards on the last four possessions Seattle did. So I, I'm, I, but, it's, but it's a, so at the same time, I feel like they sort of did okay, but I also don't feel like they did enough. I, I don't know. If, if Washington's offense is a little bit better, maybe they would have done enough. But I, yeah, it, it felt like it was a game there for the taking, but at the same point, this is how I feel after every game, Pete. I don't know what to make of this team, like, ever. <laughs> I'm constantly – it's always like, yeah, shoulda, coulda, woulda, but I, I don't know. If you So, like, if you wanted to zoom out really, really far for a second, they just, you know, competed with the Seahawks. They have six wins. They've doubled the win total from last year. Like, on the, on the rebuild path, Ron Rivera should be thrilled about what's going on. Now, Ron Rivera at 8.30 at night as he's processing this game in this moment is probably unhappy with – how the first half went just like he should be about every first half and the missed opportunities and the offsides that helped out Russell Wilson and, and the inability to defeat a Seahawks squad that wasn't clicking. Like he can be mad at the moment, but, um, and as we're kind of still confused as to what to make of this team on a week to week basis, at least overall, it feels like they are still trending in the right direction. Um, maybe they're still a couple pieces away, especially on offense from being considered on the level of the Seahawks or other contenders truly, but um, the defense 
they played a B plus game. The problem is they needed what they did against the Niners last week to really have a chance. And you can't count on that to be a repetitive thing. So um, be positive about the overall progress, be a little bit annoyed that they missed this chance today, but then also be like, eh, I wasn't really planning on this being a win anyway. The playoffs are still in front of them. So I don't blame you for being a little bit baffled because there's so many routes to take here and just kind of depends on what you want to hone in on. I mean, I've all year I have maintained the idea that I'm only looking ahead, that every everything this entire season is about what's to come. Ron Rivera's trying to change the culture. They got to figure out what pieces they have, all that type of stuff. And by and large, I've been able to maintain that. But I guess when you get the four-game winning streak, they're in first place, as, as crazy as this division is. And I've dismissed the talk all year. This is where they're at. So I guess to some degree, my it was like, well, okay, I guess they're here. So what does this mean? Um, and, and, and yet it, it came up uh, flat. You know, the linebackers have been a problem for a good chunk of the season, uh, for sure. Now, it felt like, you know, at times with Cole Holcomb in there, They've been better. We, we found that, of course, on Friday, no Cole Holcomb, no KPL. They're the two guys who provide speed at that level. I mean, Vasek does as well, but on the outside, they were. it's either one of those two guys are in there. They're both out. Now, I, I'm not suggesting that because of that, that automatically meant that everything else was a disaster. But I do. I, it'll be interesting to, to, to you know, for, for us, Mark Bullock, and for whoever else is looking at all the tape, to see how much was the difference with, with that. Because, uh, like, I don't know, like Carlos Hyde 50-yard touchdown run, the, the the it looked like Montez Sweat and a couple others maybe went up the field too much thinking Russell Wilson was going to uh, was going to roll out perhaps instead it was a, a handoff off the middle and it just got he just got quickly okay. up the field and Chris Carson was getting five six seven yards a, a, a pop at one point I think he had like five carries for fifty five yards so something was off and you know if we're all just going to keep saying that the defensive line is really good well what what was different also no Deshays or Everett you missed that big hitting influence there and obviously there's nothing they can do about uh about that uh, were you excited at least that Khalid Hudson played I kind of was <laughs> yeah uh it feels like the, the rookie classes all had their moments this year and this was finally Khalid Hudson's time to play a little bit and I think he did some good things but yeah understandably so everyone's eyes and their attention was at quarterback but the linebacker injuries kind of popped up out of nowhere and that definitely was like a little bug in my head bug in my ear like oh that's that's gonna rear its ugly head at some point on Sunday and this has been like a good experience for me on the beat this year where you know when you see a running game thrive against the defense the simple thing to kind of think is man the D-line isn't doing their job but as Ron Rivera and Jack Lario have spoken to numerous times it's also down to the linebackers fitting and being aggressive and and taking their shots and knowing when to just you know fill a hole versus playing upfield versus waiting and that's definitely been a struggle for this group. And it certainly gets worse the further you get down on the depth chart. So uh, I didn't love the linebacker group coming into the year. Cole Holcomb has definitely been the brightest spot. And without him, they really seem to be lackluster. And that seems to be something that the draft uh, side of this franchise will need to uh, address because your front four is a beast. You have some pieces in the secondary with Cam Curl and Kendall Fuller, but that middle, those linebackers with 38-year-old Davis or however old he is and Bostic, there needs to be upgrades. So I'm sure that factored into Russell being able to scramble and those running backs having such success. And that's another thing that maybe worries me is if a playoff opponent or the Panthers or Eagles are content with just running for five or six yards at a time, that's can be the best way to limit Chase Young and Montez Sweat. It's just making them deal with run blocks. So um that's a flaw that may not be fixable this year, but if they could patch it up at least a little better, that would do wonders for them. 
You know, it's weird. This is the first game in, you know, four weeks that we were watching it. I think I assume you're the same as well. We're watching it in person, not on yes. TV. So therefore, you know, we're not having the announcers in our ear talk. And obviously, I'm sure they talk about Chase Young plenty just because he's obviously one of the hot guys in the league right now. It, it felt like I don't even know if I noticed him that much today just watching the game. Um, obviously, they were getting run on a lot. And I don't recall if, if he had a sack. I don't remember it. Um, it didn't, I mean, Deron Payne had the interception and, and Montez Sweat had a, had a tip pass. Beyond that, I, I didn't notice, like I said, if I say I don't notice, I don't mean that like they were, they didn't do nothing or they were visible. Sure. I just, it, it just wasn't the same thing on well, television. We were just bombarded with the constant Chase Young is the next big thing. So I, it, it was weird uh, on that front that the defensive line like that was kind of, I don't say all, visible, but just off the, not as potent as, as maybe they have been during this stretch. Yeah. Uh, just to back you up there watching a game at the stadium when the TVs in front of us are blurry and sometimes they aren't working and you don't get replays and we all have to huddle around someone's computer to look at a clip that someone else posted. Like it's very difficult. So um, you definitely need to rewatch games from home after being at FedEx. And you're right. um, Chase didn't seem to have the down to down impact that we had seen in this winning streak and Montez had the deflection, but what else did he do? Um, But that could also just be, we're sitting a hundred yards away we're trying to see a replay on a blurry ass TV that's seven feet above us and 10 feet in front of us. And it's hard to keep track of everything when you're having to do it all at once, including blog and tweet and deal with whatever trash like Sam Fortier is talking about on press row. Um, <laughs> or you have to make fun of Matt Paris because he tweeted the most boring thing ever. Have you, do you pick up on that when Paris tweets like he's a 1930s reporter or is like nice carry there for Chris Carson. And it's like, how long was it? Why does that matter? You couldn't have just saved that and maybe provided some more info. I love getting on Paris for his really boring ass tweets. And I swear I'm going to make a coffee table book one day, just 50 pages of like out of context Paris tweets. But back to you, sir. No, no, no. I, I like, I like that idea. So you guys have the more fun side of the press box. I'm all the way on the other end, which isn't to say that the people around me are not <laughs> nice and lovely people, but it's, it's the, 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 the if I say the frat boy, I don't mean that in the negative sense, but the the the, the party atmosphere is on the other end, where, where where you are. Plus, like my like my boss is sitting in is sitting yeah. right there with me. Now, granted, I don't think he really meaning David Aldridge. I don't think he really cares if I'm like cracking wise. But at the same right. point, at some point, I probably have to pay attention. Yeah, I, I I don't envy you having your boss sit behind you in the press box. Seems a little stressful. <laughs> so you know, it's all right. Um, all right, we're gonna get to the quarterback in a second. I've got a, a, a random questions I ask. The guest, I forgot to tell you before we started, you're allowed to ask me a random question back. So as you're, as I'm asking you questions, I'll, get, okay. I'll tell you when you can contemplate. Um, person you wish followed you, followed you on Twitter that doesn't. Oh, wow. <laughs> Jeez. <sighs> Let's see. I follow, like, I don't know. I It's mostly like media people in the area. Like, I'd love to come up with a celebrity, but like, you go on shows with like, Danny Ruye and Grant Paulson and like, you know, I want the junkies to follow me. I just want like more of the kind of medium sized celebrities in DC, like Dan Steinberg for is the perfect response, I guess. Like he retweets me every once in a while, but like when Dan Steinberg shows up in your followers count, you feel like, like Oh, I'm doing something right. So it's nerdy. Um, I'd like to say Ricky Fowler or some cool, you know, actress, but I'm going to say Dan Steinberg because I think he, when he follows you, that means you're an important reporter on DC. And I just haven't cracked that threshold yet. <laughs> well, all right. Well, we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll we'll get on Dan. Uh, we'll get on Dan for that. I my my favorite with these is when people do pick other people locally. 
because it's it's uh it's very like like Matt Paris picked Fred Katz on the Wizards beat. It's very uh, <laughs> it's very it's very funny. Um, who's your all time favorite athlete? Um, I would say because I used to religiously support this team, Santana Moss. I like I kind of like these local heroes who maybe aren't nationally appreciated, like a Karan Butler type too. But I thought Santana was just so exciting, like his rise to prominence the trade in 2005 was kind of right when i was peaking in my fandom and i just respected the hell out of him and how hard he played and all the clutch touchdowns he had and all the really bad quarterbacks he was paired up with and made look good and i just always wonder what he would do if he was like on the colts with peyton manning or the saints with drew Brees, just how nuts his numbers would be but santana dealt with a lot of crap here still produced and uh I've now, you know, come to work with him afterward and he's as cool as he seemed. And it's nice when like your idol turns out to be a really good dude. So Santana, favorite athlete of all time. It's very nice when that happens. It's, it's, it's a killer when it goes the other way. So yeah, yeah I'm, I'm glad I was going to ask. I'm glad you had that. I'm glad you had that positive experience. I, I don't know him very well, but he's one of the, the few times I've dealt with him. He's always been very cool uh, yep. to me. Um, based on a hobby or a habit, what's a hall of fame that you qualify to enter? Okay. <sighs> As, as you ponder that, JP and I, I, JP had a good answer that I have now stolen because I also qualify is we both qualify. We're first ballot 7-Eleven Hall of Famers. Oh, yeah. Dude, you guys have your own like wing in that. You guys are so devoted uh, our, our to 7-Eleven. Our conversation was about the one right by your guys' office in Bethesda and about how we both have personal interaction stories with the guy who's the owner of the place. And yeah. it's very detailed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, so so we're good there. What, you guys are uh, really tight with him, it seems like. Um, man, these are such awesome questions. This is a really dumb one and very niche and specific, but I'm in the 1% of the 1% of making buttered noodles for dinner. I'm in the buttered noodle hall of fame. So easy. I had it as a kid growing up. My mom would whip, whip it up. I was very picky. So I always had butter noodles and I still do it to this day. I'm 26. I had it like three nights ago. Uh, just love putting some salt and butter on some egg noodles or spaghetti and just going to town reminds me of my own childhood. So that's a hall of fame. No one gives a crap about it's a hall of fame that no one will ever build or, or attend, but that's one I'm in. If it ever becomes a real thing. Is, is that the key to salt and butter or is there like a secret ingredient? That <laughs> oh, you're, that no, you're... it's boil the water, put the pasta in, take the pasta out, put some butter on it, put some salt on it and then sit down on the couch and eat it like you're a four-year-old and then draw on your like kids menu and then go home and go to sleep. Look, I, I Ron Rivera constantly preaches. It's about you know, doing the, doing the little things, doing them bad, doing them right. And then going from there, that's clearly what you're doing. <laughs> and also there's something, there's something to be said for simplicity in life. I remember this is a, a, a weird connection, but Chris Mullen, when he made it, when he got to the NBA, had an alcohol problem and, um, he decided that in order to combat it, what he did was he made everything in his life as simple as possible. He gave himself the military crew cut. He wore the same clothes every day. He essentially wore the same food every day because the less he had to think about, yeah. then whatever. So you are doing that as well. You, if you can do this one thing. You can do it efficiently. You love it. It allows, it allows you freedom to think about all the things you have to do. You guys have, you, you got tons of podcasts. You, you, yeah. know, you got to you know, come up with these, with these lines on your shows. I, 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 I like it. And, and it's I appreciate good. that. Yeah, that's poor. That was, that was a deep read on my buttered noodle habit. And that's what I'm going to go with from now on when I explain it. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, 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 the last semi uh, silly question that you, you're allowed to ask me one is basically, um, I, this isn't so much silly, I guess. This is a little, I guess, but, but like, how, how, how are you doing? 
because this has obviously been a, a fucked up year and like I see you, but you know, we are out there at the park for 15, 20 minutes here and there. And you know, everybody, I, I suspect everybody's kind of in the same boat, like, wow, I don't, we're not around that many other random people, except maybe whoever your, you know, your roommates or, 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 you know, spouses at that. And so like, you know, I don't really quite know how everybody is. It's been very up and down for me, not going to lie. Uh, but you know, I'm always just like, I don't know. I don't, I, I, I'm trying to be more, um, uh, I'm trying to be more uh, uh, respectful to, to life, as it were, and try to figure out, like, wait, am I actually paying attention to the people around me? So, yeah, that's a long huh. way of going. How you doing? Um, I like. I think it, this has all become started to feel so normal, which is probably concerning. Like, it sucks that, like, yesterday or today, whatever it was, I put me and my girlfriend, who I now live with, we put six masks in our washing machine, and I turned to her. I'm like this is so effing weird. We're washing a bunch of masks so we can wear them in public because we have to now, like they're as important as a shirt and a wallet. So in a way it's become so normal and I guess I'm doing okay in that way. Like I've just accepted it and I don't have any kids and my parents are okay. And my family's all around and stuff, but I also hate that now I just accept it because, you know, nine months ago we had a, we, this wasn't how the world was and the world sucked in a lot of ways, but at least we could go out and be in public and not have to social distance and there could be crowds at games. So I don't know. I'm okay. I'm, I feel like I've had a way luckier pandemic than a lot of people where I haven't had anyone too affected by and I still have my job and all that. But, you know, I feel bad for the world that this is the current situation we're in. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I mean, on, on certain levels, it's, it's a freaking disaster on the other land. It could be a lot worse. Some people have it way worse. So uh, yeah, try try to take it in, but good. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. The, I'm glad to see that the veneer that you have of an upbeat guy is is the uh, you're saying is is the real deal. It's not it's not just a complete act. So good. I'm glad. I'm glad My, uh, I guess I you know I would love to ask Ben Standing a hundred questions. I feel like you're an interesting guy with a lot of a lot of you know backstory I may not know, but I guess my question would be when Ben Standing UMBC right in college. Yes, sir. When Ben Standing was. You know, oh, either getting ready to go to a bar or at the bar or drinking with his buddies. What was Ben Standig's favorite beer to crush like 10 to 15 of? What was your go-to? So <clears throat> when I got to college, I was, so you'll be shocked by this. Uh, I was, I, it's not even that I, like, I was a nerd because a nerd infers like a certain type of, like you're focused on like other things. I wasn't focused on anything. I, I don't know what I did in high school. <laughs> I just existed and I, don't, I have no idea. So I got to college. I could not have been more naive to the world and uh, my, my initial roommates and sweet mates, all that completely had a ball just taking this lump of clay and trying to figure out kind of what to do with it. So I did not like beer at all. Um, okay. they, my, 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 uh, the guy who was my sweet mate was still a really good friend of mine. He, the, the, I'll get to the beer answer, but he, he introduced me to, um, uh, a vodka, but what was it called? Um, the ba oh, it was like a ba bandana shooters. So you uh -huh. took, you, you, you know what I mean? Like you took, you, put, no. you filled up I'm a sure. shot glass of like half of, uh, of like vodka or whatever. Then you took a bandana, you took like, like Coke soda, you poured it over the bandana and then it would and you lift the band up and it would settle so you had like the oh. you had it was like it was like i don't know or was it the other way around no nah, it was i think it was that way whatever <laughs> it, was, it sort of worked like it was a combination so it, it helped it go down a little bit easier so when it got to the beer so we the second semester for freshman year i joined a fraternity 
So yep. you had to, so I had to figure out some because drinking beer became like a thing, and they would you know make you do it not not in a hazing way, but just you know guys being <laughs> sure, guys. Sure, sure, sure. And uh, so what I learned was that I didn't like the taste of beer, but I learned I could do a beer bong. Oh, Benny so, beer bong. So you know uh, Milwaukee's best was like all we ever really had, and I didn't really I mean. And I guess Miller Lite was a good time, you know. But Milwaukee's <laughs> best, like I was like. I will not reveal how many beer bongs I've done on this podcast. I'll tell you later. Oh, definitely. There was significant numbers where the next day I remember waking up a couple times going, oh my Lord, like this is, yeah. next right, time, this is a disaster. When I see you at Wednesday practice, I'm going to prod a little further and get to the number. But beer bonging, Milwaukee's best. That's where I wanted my question to end up in some sort of place like that. So I'm glad you got us there. And the bandana shooters sound super bizarre. I'm going to look those up after. And I also thought it was funny that you said Coke soda, just to clarify. So that was good. Too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I uh, caught that. Uh, absolutely. Also, Dr. Pe- Dr. Pepper shooters. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, you ever had that? No, but I like Dr. Pepper and I'm sure I like whatever was being shot with it. So I'm uh, sure they I'm- work well. I'm going to potentially botch the, the, the ingredients in the order, but essentially it was like a shot of amaretto, uh, maybe 151. <laughs> you, 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 we would do this at a bar. So it's not possible anymore. You would take that, light it on fire, <laughs> take the shot glass, drop it into like a big glass of beer and chug the whole thing. And it tasted just like Dr. Pepper. It was so good. What? Okay. It was amazing. Screw the beer bong. I need to get the recipe of that concoction I, and just yeah, do I, that. I think honestly, if you did look, once the season's over, I got a lot of time to kill and nowhere to go. So yeah. we, we may we may have to uh, work this out. I'm sure we'll get to football in a second. But what was the point of lighting it on fire just for just for flair? Did that serve any purpose in terms of making the taste better? Right. I don't know. If, I don't know if the scientists if that if the scientists would tell us that it actually did something, but that was part of the show. That acts, I, yeah. I, I assume it did. I don't know. I mean, you dropped it in the beer and it just completely like, you know, started the, you had to drink it immediately. Like once you did that, cause it starts to go up. Yeah. Uh, you know, and yeah, it was fantastic. I don't know. Right, if cool. we're in public at a bar, we're lighting stuff on fire. I, I yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, last question is we'll get to the quarterback here. You are a man of the people with, with your job, your guys podcast. Uh, wait, what, I, what, what is it the, now? The Washington uh, football team podcast? No. Washington football talk podcast, just a dreadful, dreadful title, but it's it's okay. The content's good. The the content is very good. There's nothing we can do about uh, the title. The whole, the whole name is weird. Um, But you, you, you guys are, you know, the people are respond to you guys. You talk to the people on Twitter. You're out out and about as much as well. I guess you're not out about so much anymore because nobody is. What's your sense I mean, obviously the game has happened, but what's your sense of like, I don't know, a percentage basis or whatever with regards to Dwayne Haskins? Because I thought today for my Twitter feed was pretty aggressive people on both sides, particularly on the pro Haskins side, just constantly crapping on any fact. <laughs> yeah. it, wasn't, it wasn't even an opinion. It was just like, this happened and now I get called bias. This happened. Oh my God, just report. I don't want to, I'm like, whatever now and then of course you do see plenty on the other side that no matter what's happening he stinks it's all over they got to move on whatever it may be it's very hard to gauge anything off of twitter because it's only no matter what no matter what it is in life because it's only a small percentage of the population is even there so based on what you deal with a broader view what's your sense of this of of where things are with with, with haskins because today felt like a microcosm 
the first half it was the mess the two in, the, or the first three quarters two interceptions inaccurate throws the ball the, the, the playbook feels sort of like high schoolish but the game progressed he stayed poised they, he did make plays they, he scored two they scored two touchdowns they got him back in the game and were close to maybe even getting you know get, getting a lead where do you think the fan base is broadly when it comes to this guy yeah i mean it's such a divisive topic that today i wrote a story afterward just kind of comparing him to alex smith and the angle was like look Dwayne stunk he really improved but even so i think washington missed alex smith and this was a evidence of why he's important even though he may not be very flashy and it got to the point where i tweeted that and i kind of did so like covering my eyes like i was pushing the red button because you just don't know anytime you put out anything about Dwayne and make any sort of opinion about him someone's going to just come and kill you and expose you for you know being a jerk or being unfair or being too fair so the fans are completely divided but i think today you know you can see what you want out of it, but I think the fact that I was more concerned by the start than I was encouraged by the finish and the scrambling was good. And some of those throws in the fourth quarter were legit throws, but just the two interceptions just continue to kind of show a lack of understanding of the situations. And then the first half final drive where he threw it to Logan Thomas after standing in the pocket for so long. And then that was a two yard loss. And then you have to take your final timeout because the ball was in bounds. Like, those are just the little things that you would want him to get, and he still isn't getting it. So um, I think the fact that I you know, came out of this not more encouraged about Dwayne, I was probably less encouraged by him, even though his numbers look good, is sort of the answer that um, this is a guy who was a first-rounder, and it's in his second season, and he's still just missing on such fundamental stuff. And when he puts it together, man, there can be some really special things, but he doesn't do that nearly enough. So um, you know, the fans are divided, but I'm pretty – solid and sure that he just isn't a, it's not that he's a lost cause but just it's not heading in the right direction or on track like it should be right. i remember the rg3 era and that you know it became very polarizing for sure but at least the people who were pro rg3 as misguided as they may have been towards the end there was something to believe in because of what he did in his rookie year with Dwayne, we're really picking at not yeah. much to be that positive about it. even if you want to point to the end of last season okay but it wasn't like he was like killing it it was just better than what had happened and it gave you some hope it just hasn't built upon that we can debate 100 reasons as to why that is but we've also seen the offense whether it was with Kyle Allen or Alex Smith play substantially better and not just play better but the play calling is more aggressive more interesting they're 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 clearly diving deeper into the playbook and with with Dwayne like even toward the end it's like you're saying like it's not just that he okay fine things were better but we can't just keep basing it on this low bar that he's passing just right. because, I mean, it has, at some point it has to be, well, yeah, but like, what about, <laughs> what, what else is he doing to make, you know, to, to make winning plays? And I always like the, the off, uh, you know, Russell Wilson's great at this, uh, you know, Ben Roethlisberger, the, oh crap, everything just went wrong. Now, what do I do play? And those, he doesn't, I don't feel like there's that extra step with him. So yeah, I, I'm, I don't feel that, in in encourage uh, lastly and then I'll, I'll let you get out of here so on this topic this may be the last time we see him this year hmm. um right i mean if alex I mean, we'll see yeah, yeah. If, if, who knows if alex smith plays next week obviously any injury with him is is a whole other story if dwayne doesn't play the rest of this year because alex is in there what percentage chance are you giving that a they view him in any way as part of their future and b that he's actually on the team um, I guess I give a, 
heavier percentage him being on the team just because will there be another side that wants to take him? How does the contract work, et cetera? So I'll say maybe there's a 25% chance he's on the team, but in terms of them viewing him as a significant part of their future, maybe five to 10%. Like it's just, I just get the sense from Ron, like he seemed grumpy this week at the pressers and that, you know, who knows what that was about, but it just seemed like even just the thought of going into a game with Dwayne at quarterback was just making him a little bit sick and a little annoyed and having to talk about Dwayne at all times seemed to piss him off too. So um, when you have a guy who's so mature and so established and so good at all of the non quarterbacking things that Alex Smith is good at, I think it highlights when the other people aren't doing that. And I think, this has just been a year where Ron has seen the, the almost the perfections of Smith in terms of preparing and devoting his time and being a leader. And then they really come out. Uh, Dwayne's flaws are really highlighted by how good Smith is. So I don't think he's around. I think they'll figure out a way to get rid of him. They go into next year with Alex, as long as Alex is healthy and wants to Kyle Allen, probably because he's cheap and he's pretty much under control. And then either a veteran to try and take advantage of this defense or a young guy, if they find him in the draft, but Dwayne in DC, Really not loving the chances. I love the chances of you doing a uh, Dr. Pepper bandana shooter in a bar way more than I like the chances of Dwayne returning to Washington. God, I would if if the if there was a bar option just to do anything a sign of normal life, I'm all in. Yes. Line, line up the shots. I'll deal yeah. with the hang, with the dreaded hangover. I'll I'll, I'll take it for if, if that's the <laughs> if that's the price for normalcy. Um, he is at uh, Pete Haley NBCS. Did I get that right? You did. Thank you. Very nice uh, plug. On, on Twitter, of course, at, at NBC, NBC Sports Washington. Uh, great podcast with him, J.P. Finley, Mitch Tischler. All around good guy. And most importantly, again, he is a cat guy. Thanks, yeah. <laughs> thanks, man. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Ben. This is fun. Go hang out with Lenny and we'll, uh, we'll talk later in the week. Deal. All right. Fun chat there with, with Pete Haley. Just, just to tack on to, to the Haskins part of it. You know, I, I was... Um, Texting with a with a we'll say a league source uh, who happened to be catching the game and you know obviously recognized some of the struggles early on but said they really liked how Haskins as the game went on was was started to understand he needed to, to stop going for the big play be patient look underneath obviously found his running backs and tight ends and in doing so you know was able to help move move the ball it's not as if there's not some hope and and some and some and some positive things to to spin but it's just that the idea of to what you know to what end i'm not saying throw out the the, the 2019 first round pick from a year ago just because it hasn't happened yet it's just to say that if you're going to tell me all the reasons why you think Dwayne Haskins is all that what 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 are we pointing to here there isn't it's not much that's overly positive that's not that's not uh, already happened. It's all in the hypothetical and and that's where it just gets slightly frustrating. And obviously this is, you know, beyond what I think or Pete Haley thinks, or you think it's a matter of what is Ron Rivera and the Washington football organization think. And he was benched once. I, I, I think if you take Ron Rivera, if you just listen to what the words that he says and just follow on that, I think you're probably missing the point. I don't, I don't see that they are completely fully buying into Dwayne at this point, if they were, I think he would have been back in before now or wouldn't have been dropped the third string and so on and so on. In any event, we'll see what happens. You know, it's easy to say they're going to move on from him. You got to figure out what's the what's the alternative plan. They've got some interesting ones for sure. 
between Alex Smith, between Kyle Allen, between the possibility of making a big swing at a free agent, the possibility of drafting somebody in the first round. There's a lot of ways they can go. Dwayne Haskins fits in somewhere, but sort of to Pete, what Pete was saying, I don't feel very confident at all that he is part of their mix. And I don't think, I mean, today was possibly his last opportunity of this season. We'll see to actually change some minds. I don't know if I saw enough to suggest that's actually happened, but time will tell. All right. And now let me wrap up a couple of thoughts of my own from the week 15 loss against Seattle. First, let's get to some positives here. Logan Thomas. I mean, it is a remarkable season that he's put together. I'm not talking about because he's a former college quarterback turned tight end. I'm not talking about the fact that he wasn't used that much with the Lions. But, like, it's one thing to come into a situation where I think, honestly, even by Washington's own stand, uh, thinking, they were not viewing him as necessarily some, you know, go-to starter per se. He was somebody that they thought could come in and be – be of help. I don't think Washington was at, I thought, I think Washington was hoping to draft a tight end this year. I know that there was some interest in uh, Devin Assisi that they, the, the, that the New England Patriots landed, uh, I believe it was like on day two. And, um, you know, it just, the board didn't fall that way. And so it was Logan Thomas and then wasn't much else for, for, for sure. And the, 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 the wasn't much else part has definitely played out, but Thomas has improved so much throughout the season. Sure hand. I mean, 13 catches today. Remarkable, remarkable number. He's been a, a, an efficient blocker. And when we talk about, you know, where Washington is going forward, you know, if you look ahead to next year, you've got Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick out of the backfield. You know, I still don't know if Gibson is definitively a guy you can say, here, we're going to give you the ball like you need to in the playoffs 20, 25 times. And just kind of go with it. But like, he's clearly made an impressive strides. And, you know, look, he's already got 11 touchdowns this year. Even if he doesn't play another game this season, he's had a, a, a tremendous year, like around 900 yards from scrimmage, 11 touchdowns. That's a great year. Easily, I think you could look, you can consider him getting, say, around 1,500 yards with around over 50 receptions and the touchdowns. Great. Okay. J.D. McKissick, obviously, a little bit more than just a third down back. He, he, he's shifty. He can run. Uh, you know, at times you don't want to overload him, but he can, he can definitely make plays for you. You can line up you, the, the, the formation versatility with him and Gibson is makes things really interesting. And then, of course, Terry McLaurin and now Logan Thomas. You still need a second receiver for sure. No argument there. But those are four really nice pieces. If you can figure out the quarterback situation long term or, you know, if it's Alex Smith for next year, then, you know, there's enough there to be interesting. And I think it goes, Logan Thomas has really changed my view of what they need at that position. Um, and the answer is they need backups. They don't really need a starter. He's been, uh, he's been that guy staying with the offense. You know, the offense of Washington had, um, they'd only allowed one sack through the first, um, really almost the entirety of the game. The, um, uh, you know, Seattle came in uh, dominating uh, with the pass rush. We had the other day uh, Michael Sean Dugar on the podcast, and he talked about how, you know, between Jamal Adams and Carlos Dunlap, that those guys have really raised Seattle's pass rush. And yet only one sack until the last drive. And then they had three on the last drive and two 
after Washington got inside Seattle's 30 back-to-back plays that that the sec the, the the fourth and final sack of the day for Seattle Dunlap just trucked Morgan Moses who had been out of the game for a bit with a with, with an injury comes back in look I'm sure he would say he was okay but clearly to see Morgan Moses get run over like that he clearly was not a was not 100 percent and um you know, I think the offensive line, I'm just no sort of noting that they played, you know, I, th- I think that was some fairly, you know, decent, pretty decent stuff out of them throughout, um, you know, throughout the game to hold Seattle's just the one sack and, you know, to do it without, with Haskins in there, it's easier with Alex Smith, who's just good at getting rid of the ball, can see where things are coming from. You know, Haskins is not there yet, but man, what a bummer of a time for Morgan Moses to go down. I'm not going to say that they shouldn't have, they should have left David Sharp in. I believe Sharp had, uh, if he didn't allow a sack, he gave up some significant pressure earlier. And look, Morgan Moses is obviously way better than any other tackle they have. Just bad timing on that one, and and it cost them a, a bit there. Um, and lastly, I want to make an amendment to the story I wrote the other day on the Athletic with regards to the future of this team, kind of looking ahead to the 2021 roster. I, I said at the time that I. I it's not that I was saying that they were set at safety because I'm not suggesting that. It's to say that having seen what the Shazer ever could do in a more expanded role and what they've gotten out of Cameron Curl, that with the idea that Landon Collins will be back with his salary cap situation, you really cannot cut him. He's a huge, he's a huge hit next year. Uh, if, if you do that, it's not that they don't need help, but it's not necessarily a massive priority relative to other things that they're going to need. I mentioned that second receiver, possibly the quarterback. I think linebackers in play. We'll see what happens at cornerback if uh, Ronald Darby leaves in free agency and so on. But then DeShazer, after that, DeShazer ever gets hurt, he's out for the season with the torn pectoral. And it, I did slip my mind to a degree that part of the reason why he's never been able to sort of be part of the defense is the constant fear of injury. Now, Cameron Curl still is there. And it would mean if, if Landon Collins is back, and Landon Collins is a strong safety. Again, I think Cameron Curl's played really well. I, if it was in a different situation, maybe you could look to move on from Landon Collins. But realistically, I don't know if that's possible. The other day, I asked Cameron Curl, you know, you were a guy who played corner in college. Typically, a guy that plays some corner in college plays more free safety than he does strong safety. He said that in Arkansas, they had the, the situation was they really it didn't they didn't sort of de- define it as free and strong. They just kind of played sort of halves of the field. And because he wasn't really either way, I think that sort of had scouts not quite sure how to how to pin, pin him on things. His aggressive streak, I think, put him more in the quote-unquote strong safety side of the aisle. It's very interesting to me to wonder, can do could they view him as a free safety um, moving forward? Because that would solve certain problems for sure. Either way, I, I think realistically they're going to have to get another another safety if for no other reason because of the Everett's injury history. Obviously Troy Apke has not worked out. I think Jeremy Reeves is certainly interesting, but you know that's there's uh, the, the the Everett injury history to some degree slipped my mind, and I think that cannot I cannot let that go. I wanted to make that point. Um, I do think it's an interesting article to go take a look at. Um, it's over on the Athletic, and uh, you want to go. Um, you want to go do that? I definitely appreciate. Of course, you subscribe to the Athletic, but it was a good, it was a fun, fun look at what's going on 
um, with this team looking forward. What perceptions have changed during the winning streak? And now there's another game to tack on to it, but I've already written the article, so the article will not reflect this game. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, that's going to be it for this episode of the Standard Room Only Podcast. Always appreciate you guys checking out the podcast. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever else you do the podcasting. And, um, you know, Carolina Panthers, obviously a lot of storylines here. Ron Rivera facing his former team and the Washington football team's got to get a win no, no matter one way or the other uh, to keep this thing going, keep their hopes. Um, I'd say keep their hopes alive, but, you know, you, you, there's only two games left. Regardless of what the Giants do down the stretch or anybody else, they are got to they gotta win. And uh, one more win may be enough, but you at least have to keep winning uh, one one way or another. So that's it. Uh, ben Stadick signing off. Oh, duh, hold on, hold on. Pete Haley. Many thanks to Pete Haley uh, for, for his time. Now I'll sign off. Ben Stadick. Thank you. Really appreciate you guys. And until next time.